okay, we're uh, we're starting. Purple Pod episode 12. It's a good number to me. I like it. I'm feeling good, as you know. I normally am. Uh, got my favorite hat on. My hair's looking fire. Uh, sorry if you're not watching this. You're just listening, but... If you really want to see, you know, go check out that YouTube vid. But it's looking good. You know, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm a little bit late on this. That's my bad. Uh, we'll we'll make it. We'll make up for it. I I promise you. Um, good week. Crazy week uh, in the political world. Lots to digest, take in. I don't know how much you guys have been involved with learning about it, but if you haven't, don't worry, because that's why I'm here. I'm gonna tell you. Um, I don't know if you guys if you guys don't follow us on Instagram, go ahead and follow us. See at c.purple um because i ran a poll and i think i'm just gonna start running kind of some funny polls and things like that but um as soon as we'll talk about it more but kamala harris got announced as vice president president trump immediately came out right with this ad attacking her calling her phony kamala and so i ran a poll about what's the best nickname that president trump has for his enemies or his other people that he runs against so I did Sleepy Joe, Corrupt Obama, Crazy Bernie, and Phony Kamala. And w- like the results were astoundingly pro Sleepy Joe, which I would also vote for. Now, after I post that, people you know, slid up in the DMs and was like, yo, uh, Crooked Hillary, that one will stick with us forever. And that is true. So the winner, Sleepy Joe, uh, but special uh, nod to Crooked Hillary. That's some good uh, genius marketing right there. But big week, though. Kamala Harris is chosen as Joe Biden's um, vice president. Uh, the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, is happening right now. President Trump signed a pretty big deal with Israel and the Middle East. Um, and then the post office drama, as well as President Obama dropped his fire playlist that he's been listening to of songs. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. We're going to get into it. Don't worry about it. But let's just get started with that intro and uh, let's go. Before we get into the Trump tweets, I have to get into something that I thought was super funny. And just classic politics for you. Um... And yeah, I hope it's enjoyable. I wish I could like show the clip, but I don't know, like copyright infringement and stuff like that. You know, who knows? Our legal team's working on it, right? Legal team? Oh, you okay. We can't do it. All right. Um, so Kamala Harris has announced as vice president that night. All the media coverage is going. Fox News is covering it. Tucker Carlson, who's got the primetime Fox News spot normally, he's talking about it. He keeps calling to like Kamala Harris and Kamala and Cam, yeah, Kamala is basically the only other rendition I can think of. Kamala, um, he's talking about her and he keeps saying Kamala, and it's pronounced Kamala, like comma, comma la, um, but he keeps calling it her Kamala. So then, and just run the story, not being disrespectful. I mean, just like the usual jabs that opposing news networks would do. Anyway, the next night, CNN. Uh, a bunch of people talking about the announcement are talking about how unfortunate and almost like borderline racist it was that Tucker Carlson couldn't get Kamala Harris's name right and how um, just so disrespectful, which I would agree if you know how it's pronounced, that, it, you know, pronounce it right. But what the best thing is that night Joe Biden had his rally announcing 
Kamala Harris gets up to the mic. I'm proud to announce Kamala Harris as my vice presidential candidate. So just classic politics for you, all right? You know, that's why you like you get caught up in the small stuff and you just start looking dumb and leave it to Joe Biden to uh, to mess it up. So I just thought that was funny. There's some humor for you. Um, that's the same line of the Trump President Trump's tweets, you know, what we do. So the post office drama, uh, that's how we're going to kick off these tweets. If you guys don't know, it's getting politicized and drawn up a lot. Um, but people are claiming that President Trump, and I talked about this as like kind of a theory, President Trump is trying to purposely let the funding for the United States Postal Service get cut or not get additional funding for mail-in voting so that states don't do mail-in voting because he thinks he has a better chance um, of winning because of that. Smart strategy, I guess. It was kind of a theory. People think it's a legit thing now. I watched the press conference when they really railed him on it. He said not necessarily that, but he said, but I want to work out a deal in which we everyone benefits, the USPS, and we can get the funding and all of that. So just classic politics, which I always say a lot. It's American politics, classic politics. Gets drawn out, whatever. But I would say for the most part, because of his tweets, he doesn't, and he, I, I didn't use any of them, but they are there that he doesn't think the USPS, United States Postal Service, can get the job done for mail-in voting. That's kind of his opinion. But then, I don't even understand this man at all. No one does, I don't think. Because then he just tweets three words, all caps. Save the USPS. Exclamation point, I think. Maybe not. You'll see it right here. Save the USPS. And so now, like, that's throwing other people off. I retweeted that because I just thought that was funny and ironic. Um, So I'm assuming it's just, like, another strategy... Um, I'm assuming he wants to save the USPS, but make it the deal that's going to benefit him or Republicans or America the most. But I just thought that was like so funny how he can flip flop. Like, mail-in voting sucks, but no, but let's do it in Florida. USPS does a terrible job. It's it's like so crappy. Save the USPS, right? I don't know. Who knows what goes goes on in this guy's head and on the Twitter fingers? But I guess we'll see. Um, so the next one, which kind of is along the same lines, all caps, if you can protest in person, you can vote in person. And I knew this argument was going to be used a lot, um, from it. So, um, because of coronavirus, a lot of things are getting shut down, da, da, da. And something that definitely didn't get shut down, well, just an inconvenient timing and tragedy was like the George Floyd thing happened, which abrupted a huge movement towards Black Lives Matter equality, racial equality, racial, racial opportunities, all of this, since all these protests happened, unfortunately there was looting and violence as well that came along with it. Now the problem is, is, you know, at the same time, like states are like, no, 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 we're closing down churches. That's too many people gathering, closing down schools, which all logically made sense, but none of them closed down the protests because if you tell a group of protesters, Hey, stop protesting. Normally it's not going to work well. It's only going to cause more havoc, more protesting, higher cases, whatever. That's my opinion. If I was a leader of a city, and because obviously protesting is going to spread a virus, right? Um, and even though it was young people, it's still going to spread a virus, right? There might not be as many deaths or cases, but it could still spread. Um, and if you go and tell these pe- group of people, hey, sorry, we'll work on your, we'll work on racial equality 
but you guys can't protest anymore. Normally, it's not going to turn out well, right? It's only going to add more fuel to the fire. So I get why all that, why they can't shut down protests. I also get now the Republicans are saying, yo, you guys are out there protesting. If you're protesting, you can wait in the line, right? And so I get, understand all of it. It's so gray. It's so hard to judge. I know for the primaries, they try to have people vote in person. I think I mentioned it a couple of pods ago, but people were waiting till like midnight to go vote and luckily their votes counted. But it's just slower. The lines are longer. The process is long. People don't have the luxuries of taking a full day off work to go wait in a longer line, right? All that, uh, it makes sense. But also, I understand the logic of both sides. I'm seeing purple on both. And so it's a good good tweet. Like if you guys are out, you guys are out there protesting, still protesting, right, for months, then you guys can go wait in a line. You don't need to vote by mail. So I get the logic. Um, but he loves the all caps. It gets the point across. This last one I thought was hilarious. I think it's a classic President Trump tweet. One for the ages, I hope. Goes down to the Twitter Hall of Fame. But he says, What's with CNN polls increasing me by 10 points in a short period of time? So that happened. I'll, and that's just half the tweet. I'll go back to it. But, um, you know, all the all the original polls had by uh, Vice President Biden leading by a ton just like the polls had Hillary Clinton leading by a ton. Um, and even Fox News was like 20-point leads for Biden and things like that. Vice President Biden, sorry. Um, and so now the CNN polls are cutting closer. I don't know why necessarily what changed, I guess. I think Republicans are just getting, or people that enjoy President Trump are just getting ready to get out there and to vote. And all these controversies are kind of happening and the mail-in voting and whatever, whatever. And... Uh, what we're going to talk about is actually, I think President Trump has done some favorable things that we're going to talk about. So those could probably contribute, but he's closing the gap, right? He's closing the gap. The people are coming out. They're getting ready to campaign. And so anyway, regardless, what this is what he says. What's with CNN polls increasing me by 10 points in a short period of time? Maybe they want to take over from Fox News. <clears throat> so and he, tags, he tags both of them because that man's not afraid, right? Most powerful person in the world. You can tag whoever you want in a tweet and uh, not have any really repercussions. But it just plays to President Trump's narrative that he loves and trusts news that talks good about him, right? That's if you haven't realized that, that's what that's what he likes. Um, any news that's gonna criticize or say that he did anything not the right way, he's gonna call fake. He's gonna call untrustworthy. That's just how it works, right? So that's why he loves Fox News. Everyone knows that. Fox News loves President Trump. Shout out Sean Hannity. That man loves him. Yeah. Um, and Tucker, I guess. But as soon as they talk bad or bring out bring out someone that talks bad or like Chris Wallace, who's a Fox News host, kind of calls President Trump out in an interview, like saying, no, you, you kind of got your facts wrong here. He'll get mad and he'll call out Fox News in a tweet. Now, he won't discharge his loyalty, but he will call them out and will say why they're rating so low and right things like that. So that's what he does. I hope you guys realize that. It's fine, kind of. Um, that's why we see purple, right? That's why when he calls the left fake and the right that compliments him true, that's dangerous. That's why you have to see purple. That's why you look at both. Um, so that's fine. But I just think it's funny that now CNN is like actually showing polls where he's pulling better than what Fox News polls had. He's like, oh, maybe CNN's my new thing. And he's just playing that as a joke. But uh, I thought that was super funny. Um, but what a round of President Trump's tweets. Those are just some quick, easy ones. 
nothing too drastic. He had a couple good videos that he retweeted about him in his press conferences, but um, I just thought those were good. And uh, let's move on to the main story, which is going to be super interesting and educational. It's actually going to be two stories combined into one. Here we go. Um, the first one is a really complex issue that not a lot of people know about. I mean, they know about it, but not a lot of people are involved and know the details. I'm not. I'll give you kind of the outside story and what's, why it's affecting America and why President Trump's involved, things like that. But I'm not going to get in the nitty-gritty details because it's just a complex conflict. But um, President Trump helped sign an agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, to work together again, basically. Um, if you guys don't know, there's a conflict in Israel between um, it's Palestine and Israel. Palestine, um, from my knowledge, is predominantly of the religion of Islam, and uh, Israel is predominantly Jewish. And they've had a battle for like the Holy Land, this area of the Middle East, for years, like centuries. Um, and so there's always kind of been conflict, and they've actually had wars against each other, and it's just always kind of been a harder place because of this conflict. Anyway, um, because of that, the Middle East just kind of became a weird conflicting place. And so Israel and United Arab Emirates, um, which is like Dubai and kind of those uh, surrounding territories around there, um, weren't really working together and were kind of at ends. And so for the first time in 25 years, there was actually a, a, a kind of like a peace agreement signed between the two that was facilitated by President Trump. Um, their quote, the White House's quote was, our vision is one of peace, security, and prosperity in this region and in the world. <clears throat> and so under the agreement, basically, the UAE and Israel are going to cooperate in things like education, healthcare, energy, trade, and security, which I think are all really good. Um, the more collaboration that countries really have is good, especially countries that um, were once divided and have different views, right? They can kind of see purple, which doesn't really apply to anywhere but America, seeing purple like that, the the word purple. But like work together, see each other's views, to see how they can better prosper the Middle East, which has been a source of conflict for a long time and still is, um, and it's unfortunate. But these are two pretty big leaders, the UAE and Israel, and like Egypt are pretty big leaders kind of in the Middle East and Africa, um, and people kind of follow their example, and so that's why they're saying this is super positive, and I'll get more into that later. But it's also going to allow for the exchange of ambassadors to happen. They're gonna, they can establish embassies, um, they can open direct flights to and from their countries, and they can allow pilgrims from throughout the Muslim world to visit holy sites in Israel. So um, that's kind of a part of Islam is that once once in your lifetime you'll go take a pilgrimage to like the holy sites in Mecca and Medina. Um, and so that's going to allow people that live in the United Arab Emirates to go make that pilgrimage uh, to Israel, um, which I think is pretty sweet as well. I'm all for that. So um, I think that's cool. So President Trump, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the crown prince of the emirate of Abu Dhabi, Mohammed bin Zayed, said they are confident that similar breakouts can even happen between other Middle Eastern countries um, and that they're going to work together through this kind of agreement to achieve that goal. 
which I think is really cool. Um, and then the UAE is the third Arab country to establish diplomatic relations with Israel. Egypt did it in 1978, and Jordan did it in 1994, which I think was also pretty interesting. <clears throat> um, and then the Palestinian president. So from Israel and UAE's opinion and the United States, this is super good. Um, of course, to Palestine and surrounding countries, it might not be, right? Because that conflict with Israel and Palestine's there, um, and they're always kind of at ends. It's like the Republicans and Democrats of America, basically, except more violent, unfortunately, and rooted in deeper hatred from years ago. But the Palestinian Authority president, Mahmoud Abbas, labeled the deal an aggression on the Palestinian people and a betrayal of Jerusalem. <clears throat> so obviously it's such a sensitive topic, the Middle East, and that's why I'm not even going to get into it because that, like, who really knows the full details that even talk about this? Not a 21-year-old with Google, I'll tell you that much. But um, I really do think that it's something worth noting and that in the views of the White House and, of course, President Trump, and from what I've read, this is a decently positive move. Um, and although the conflict with Palestine Palestine might grow, this agreement, their hopes is that it's going to set the tone for more peace between Middle Eastern countries. So, I'm all for peace. Uh, increase the peace, that's what I always say. So, I'm all for it. I think um, if, this, if, th if that does really what it says, what they say the goal is, right? President Trump and the Israeli Prime Minister and then the Crown Prince of the Emirates, um, then that's incredible. And that means that they're committed to working towards that, these influential leaders, um, and that they can make it happen. So I thought that was cool. Um, I thought I've looked at that as a positive from what I've read. Of course, there's going to be negatives. Of course, the people might think it's performative. Of course, Palestine probably has a conflict with it. So I guess we'll see. And I'll keep you updated if I find anything else about that. But that was a quick story. That was cool. President Trump made that happen as well with the government. Um, and then I just want to transition to another kind of popular thing that's happening right now, and that's the, the Democratic National Convention. So if you guys don't know, I've talked about this. I've done a couple posts about it early on in our Instagram. And I also do a, like a highlight story on our Instagram. So if you guys want to go watch that right now, pause me. All right. And then go watch those because those are really helpful because delegates is like the name of the game with these conventions and delegates are so confusing. <laughs> um, I had to put like a lot of research and effort into understanding delegates to help my sea purple audience understand it. But so if you don't know what those are, you can go look that up. I'll talk about them a little bit. Um, but the two main parties, actually all, all the parties in American politics mainly in the top four, will have conventions to declare who their party candidate's going to be. Um, and if you don't know, like, top four, it's Democrats, Republicans, the Libertarians, and the Green Party. Um, and they all have conventions. They decide, all right, this is our guy or woman to run for president on our ballot. Also, where they pick um, the vice president as well. <clears throat> and they get elected and accept the nominations. It's a pretty big deal. Obviously, this year, it's not going to go the way everyone thought. It's virtual, um, which kind of takes a little bit of the pizzazz out of it. I won't lie. I've seen some clips. No, it's like like a sports 
convention arena almost and people were in the crowd and at the Republican one last year everyone was wearing like the red hats and um a lot of news coverage and interviews and cool things happen it's like a convention right um anyway so this year the Democrats have decided it's virtual um, I'm not sure what the Republicans have said I know President Trump at one point said no I'm doing it in person um, but that's in a couple weeks so I will let you know what how that's gonna happen but anyway it's virtual and so some of it's like pre-recorded videos some of it's live videos and they play them and it's all jazzed up because that's what politics is and that's what these things are the two main purposes of these conventions one is to actually like decide the nominee it's a big deal like oh hey this is the next president of the United States I remember like Hillary Clinton's 2016 was like I remember it was like a picture of her and they said the next woman the next president of the United States is like a woman and then like this glass shattered because it was like she was shattering the glass of like stereotypes and stuff and so very confidently said that which I thought was interesting didn't work out obviously um but sorry I don't know what I'm doing anyway so um it's normally like showbiz right um and then so it's to pick the nominee the vice president and the president and then it's also basically to show like unity and excitement for the party to get people jazzed up to go vote um that's mean the main goal is unity and then use that unity to go elect this person into office because we need to um so the democrat one just happened a lot of the speeches were talking about how president trump's a danger to america how he's unfit how another four years is detrimental da 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 classic politics stuff um and so in all the primary elections leading up to this uh people vote for their candidates and then depending on how many votes they get candidates get a certain amount of delegates from that state and if a candidate gets a threshold of delegates it's different for both parties they get the nomination that's kind of how delegates works if you again go look at the story and my posts if you want to learn more about it now this was kind of interesting but aoc um which i actually don't even alexandra ocasio cortez i think is her name or close to it don't quote me i'll just say aoc who's a young uh senator or representative from new york um and is pretty she's the youngest uh person in the u.s government in the house um in congress sorry and she's pretty outspoken, um, but she had a one-minute speech that everyone's kind of looking forward to because she's just fiery and like ready to go. And she nominated Bernie Sanders to be president, which everyone was super confused about. But that's because Bernie had enough delegates to technically like be in the running for the candidacy before the nomination for the ticket. And so, because of just the rules, he needed to be nominated because he did earn a, a certain threshold of delegates. And so everyone was confused about that. Don't be confused about that. That's just how it goes. But AOC is super pro-Biden. She just wants a Democrat in the office, which is what happens. Um, but her and Biden were very tight. They both agreed on they're radical with like health care and living wages. And a lot of people thought that it was going to be Bernie and AOC if Bernie got the nomination for president and vice president, which I think it was cool. Anyway, just thought I'd explain that if you saw that and you were confused. But, of course, like Michelle Obama um, spoke, uh, John Kasich spoke, which was a pretty big deal because he ran on the Republican side, and he was the Republican governor of Ohio. In 2016, he ran. He was, like, 
probably the most level-headed in that election, like most like just kind of a good guy that was just running as a Republican uh, and didn't get the nomination. President Trump beat him. Um, but he spoke because of how much of a danger he thinks President Trump is. That was super interesting. Kind of went against his own party to go speak at the DNC, which is pretty crazy. As well as John McCain, notorious Republican senator. I grew up a little bit in Arizona. He was my senator. I got to meet him in Washington, D.C. Um, and he passed away, unfortunately, in like 2018. But his wife is actually going to be speaking at the, Republican, at the DNC as well. So super interesting. And then today, which is Wednesday... President Obama is speaking, and then the Clintons are also speaking, Hillary and Bill. So super interesting, super big names. It's like a five-day event. It's virtual. Basically, it's a hype. It's a hype convention. It's a hype party to get the Democrats pumped up for the future of America in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's the main story. Look out for the RNC. I'll probably do a story on that as well. I'll definitely do a story on that as well, give you the highlights, things like that. But that was interesting that it's, it's election season. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, P, P, C, Purple Pod listeners, C, Purple Nation. I don't have a good nickname for the the fans, the seven fans that we have of this thing. But it's election season. Things are getting crazy. Things are happening. If you're not studied up and ready and just like ready to get even more toxic on social media, then right now it's the warm up, baby. Let's uh, let's go. But uh, yeah, that's the main story. The DNC convention as well as this uh, Israel and U- UAE deal that happened that's what happened this week and that wasn't what's important let's move on to the purple vibes all right everyone's favorite segment um and the hardest one to do is the purple vibes it's how we end the pod you know how we do um just on a good note just on things that we like things that show that america isn't as divided as we think even though it's super hard um So what I thought was super cool is that on August 18th was when the final vote happened for the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, Bill of Rights Constitution. Correct me if I'm wrong. Man, the 19th Amendment, I'm just going to call it that. Wow. Um, The 19th Amendment happened, which gave women the right to vote, happened in 1920. So on August 18th, 2020, it was the 100-year anniversary of that. I'm going to celebrate that. I'm excited about that. Uh, I think that's some purple vibes. Specifically, we're talking a little about something else too. But Susan B. Anthony was a pretty uh, prominent um, feminist and women's suffrage leader um, during that time. She was arrested for voting. She was arrested for trying to vote actually in Rochester, New York when it was illegal and uh, was arrested and put in jail. Um, Which is like so crazy to think about that 100 years ago, like the Mer- United States of America, the greatest country in the world. I did quotes if you're just listening right there. Like didn't allow women to vote. <clears throat> now a lot of like the the psychology behind that is that they thought like women like politics was such a nasty game and that women aren't nasty um, or that politics will divide families and so just let one person do it. I mean, that might have been, the logic but that's just stupid <laughs> i don't know anyway that's so crazy to me that was when i was thinking about this and reading this that like a hundred years ago uh women didn't have the right to vote <clears throat> and it gets even worse if we want to get into races and stuff which i will um but i'm glad where we are now there's still work to do i'm sure 
I know there is actually. Um, and we can probably be, work on being more nice to each other and things like that. But man, crazy. Times have changed. Anyway, Susan B. Anthony, unfortunately, passed away in 1906. Um, and so before even she could see like kind of like her whole life's mission and work um, pass, she passed away. Regardless, though, she's cemented in American history as an icon um, and as one of the forefront leaders of the women's suffrage and women's voting movement. Um, <clears throat> so in 1920, 19th Amendment was passed. Um, women got the right to vote. Now, unfortunately, though, uh, white women, that was good for white women, but other races kind of were suppressed at times. And so um, there would be voter suppression techniques where sometimes, like if black women would go try to vote policemen and or people whoever was in charge would just go like beat them up and tell them to get out um super sad even crazier right that even 100 years ago we we're doing that um so it wasn't really until the voting rights act of 1965 that helped all races equally vote uh, men and women so obviously you know we could have been better and it took us a while to be better. And there are still things that we can be better today in our country, I'm sure. But uh, I think that's purple. It's purple vibes. You know, 100 years ago, women got the right to vote and we never looked back. Um, and now you have like super influential people like Hillary Clinton, who was almost president of the United States, or like AOC, who's a super young, fiery, like looking ahead, kind of like gen millennial. Not, yeah, millennial. Uh, trying to bring different ideas to the country which i think is super impressive and plus our women's national soccer team wrecks and that's pretty dope so we love women thank you for all you do um but yeah how crazy is it puts it put things in perspective to me like 100 years ago anyway purple vibes i thought that was good i also want to end with this i had uh my brother shout out him again truman um who we talk about politics a lot. He was, he's never really been that involved in politics, but recently has gotten more involved. Um, which I think has been cool, but he was just kind of telling me like, you know, like it's so hard to get fatigued with politics. And I think that's absolutely true. And even if like for me, when I really try to see purple through everything. So even if someone posts something I completely disagree with on social media, I still am like, yeah, but I get why you posted that. I get why you believe that, you know, even things like that, it's super hard to not get fatigued. Um, so unfortunately, I just texted him back and said, well, if you're fatigued in uh, August when there's an election in November, then it's only going to get worse, unfortunately. And it's only going to get worse if really if we let it get worse, right? I mean, I think we're all going to post what we believe in anyway, but there's so many things going on right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, with COVID, with Trump v biden with kamala v pence with everyone now is pulling out all the stops like here's what president trump's done the last four years and everyone's like why didn't joe biden do this or vice versa right here's what joe biden did in the 40 years he was in political office and here's what he's gonna do for the next four years like it's only gonna get worse <clears throat> every time i go on youtube to see something it's a it's a biden or it's a trump ad you know it's a it's a lot and it's only gonna get worse uh, for the next about seven, eight months. I mean, like, so if Biden wins through the inauguration, there's going to be protests and things like that. Um, and if President Trump wins, then 
it's just always going to be there. It's always going to continue. That's the problem. And it's only going to change if our mindsets change to mean like, you're an American. Great. You believe that. Great. I see you. I feel it. Great. Here's what I believe in. Do you see me? Great. Let's move on. Let's see purple. Um, and so that's just the commission. I, I try to end it with something like that. But just like try to see purple through all you do or else you're just going to get fatigued. And if there's anything I don't want with politics is for us to get fatigued because there's work to do. There's ideas. Um, there's strategies to solve problems. That's what it is. It's solving problems. And if we get fatigued, especially that mostly young people watch this, if you get fatigued, we're the ones that are going to be making these changes in 40 years, right? Whether it be us like really getting involved in voting or running for office, which I hope young people do. I don't want us to see the toxicity. That's a word. Uh, and like be afraid of it and veer away from it. Um, I want us to see the good and the purple and to try to get more involved and have our voices be heard. Let's go. I'm pumped. Election season. Fight for what you believe in. Like women did 100 years ago. Purple vibes. That's how we're ending it. I want you guys to have a really good week. I really do. Um, and uh, see purple in all that you do. And go tell someone you love them. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just go love someone. But anyway, I'll see you next week. Peace and love.